I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. You are tuned in to Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis here with you. Find me at ConnieWillis.com. I think you'll enjoy the shows that I've got for you, the newsletter. Come on, go along with me. Have a good time. Blue Rock Talk, Connie After Dark, and Connie Willis, the podcast. That's free. And I appreciate that uh, you do that. When you do that, you'll hear people like who I'm talking to right now tonight. He'll be on eventually here with my podcast and my Blue Rock Talk. So I'm looking forward to that too, Preston. And so are the people that, you know, my Blue Rockers. So thank you for looking forward to that in the future. You are all over the place. You've got a YouTube channel. You're also, you have a website, Preston Dennett yep, dot weebly.com. Excuse me. Yep, that's right. Get that Weebly in there. Don't forget the Weebly, you all. <laughs> Preston Dennett dot Weebly.com. <laughs> oh, you're the Weebly guy. Yeah, you're the, you're the Weebly Preston. Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> And Preston is uh, P-R-E-S-T-O-N, and the Dennett is with the two N's and the two T's and the two E's, D-E-N-N-E-T-T. <laughs> you can do a song, and the Weebly has two E's too. Oh, my gosh. You know, it. It today, you know, it's like you got to find like one word that everybody will remember, right, to get to your, your stuff. It's really kind of difficult. <laughs> the memories are gone. Memories. They're just gone nowadays, but you're finding people that are pulling up some memories and remembering these encounters at the drive-in. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah, it's truly amazing. You know, it's nice new content. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, like I said, it, it really shocked me. I I thought I had pretty much covered the field up, down, and sideways. Uh, and no, there's always something new to learn. I, I don't know why I keep thinking that, oh, I've heard it all. Because <laughs> no, you haven't. Something always comes along and turns everything on its head. And this absolutely did. Yeah, so... So what are some, so, okay, so, you know, there's just like a handful, it seems like to me there's just a handful of drive-ins now that are still around or are or, or more starting to pop up again. I, I can't imagine that, but are they? I loved them. They were great, but it's a whole different world now. And, but are there still some out there and is this phenomenon still happening? Oh yeah. Yeah. There used to be thousands. The real heyday was the 50s. Yeah. 60s and 70s, thousands upon thousands. This was the thing to do. People would go there. I mean, there were playgrounds, prize giveaways, yeah. fireworks shows, petting zoos, balloon rides. Mud <laughs> wrestling. There was mud wrestling at these. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm not, jo- I'm not joking. I, we found this out last night. <laughs> yeah, there, it was the thing to do, but it did start to fade away in the 80s when we got you know VCRs and home entertainment. But there's still several hundred that have hung on, and I've got current cases all the way up. I think the most recent one that was real solid, because I found some later, but 2015 uh, was the most recent really good case I found, which is still fairly recent. Oh, but, tell us. Oh, you know what I'd really like to do, Connie, is kind of take what? you on a journey through time. <laughs> oh, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's like a movie, how this rolls out. It yeah. Really can... <laughs> it's a story within a story with, with stories in, in there. So, no, go, please, thank you. Yeah. The, the, the stage is yours. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it starts in the 1950s, right? And this is when it did really ramp up. The, as you know, the modern age of UFOs was 1947 and onwards with Roswell and a huge super wave. And this is when society really started to take notice. Of course, it does go back thousands of years, but this is unprecedented what's happening to humanity since the modern age of UFOs, 1947. And that's when this started to happen. And the earliest case I could find is significant, I think, because it has something really interesting to say about how we treat this subject. And that occurred at the Starlight Drive-In on July 22, 1950, Spartanburg, North Carolina, there was a colonel, or no, uh, gosh, let's see, I believe it was a, a writer who was at the movie, uh, a military officer, though, and uh, he was there with his wife when this sort of dirigible-like object sort of just went by the theater. And he didn't think much of it until it returned. <laughs> and then it came back a third time, and by the fourth time, it's clear that it is doing something. And he described it as a yeah, dirigible object, the sort of rounded bottom, silvery white. And that fourth pass, it came very, very low. And he wasn't the only one who saw it at this point. Uh, several people in the theater saw it. So he sent a report to the Air Force. And I tracked this report because, you know, there's a lot of documents online. This was reported to the precursor of Project Blue Book and it actually went to Colonel John Meads, the commanding general at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, if you know anything about UFOs, Wright-Patterson is UFO Central. That's where we do the 
studying of foreign technology. So this is important because <laughs> this shows that our government is fully aware. I thought, well, maybe that's a coincidence. But I don't think so, because it wasn't long after that, August 12, 1952. This is one of my favorite cases. Terrace Drive-In in Bakersfield, California. It's a big theater, space for 650 cars. And again, there's a military officer in the audience. The early cases were mostly military officers. I think because the reporters didn't believe regular citizens and they wanted really good witnesses. Oh, right, right. Makes sense. Yep. Right. I so, agree with you. Yep. So, yeah, this is in Bakersfield, and there's about 600 cars there or so when this UFO drops down. This one was described as cigar-shaped. There's all different types, of course, saucers and egg-shaped and cigars and so forth. This one was cigar-shaped, and it comes, zooms down, stops right above the screen, flashes its lights at the audience, and then darts off. So this was a real quick one, but a lot of people saw it and started calling the local sheriff's office. Deputy Sheriff Leroy Hatfield is taking the calls one after another, and after the fourth or fifth call, he's like, the phone was still ringing. He's like, hold on, I'm going to just go down there, and goes down there and still finds about 100 people just talking about it. And he takes the testimony of about 30 of them. They were lining up. He's like, that's it. My arm's tired. I've got what you, you know, the report. I think I know what you've seen, or I've got the descriptions. So he sends, he writes it up, right, and sends this report to the nearest Air Force base, which turns out to be Edwards. And Edwards, don't even get me started on Edwards, because they have had so many UFO sightings and landings and all kinds of stuff. It's a UFO magnet there, so they know what's going on. At any rate, it goes to a Blue Book officer there, and he writes up this report, marks it action, and sends it the next day to the Air Technical Intelligence Command, again at Wright-Patterson, and the copy goes to Enta Air Force Base in Colorado, which is where we track all the incoming and outgoing traffic, and get this, to the Director of Intelligence at Washington, D.C. Mm. <laughs> So they knew, they knew wow. beginning, because back in the 50s, if you saw a UFO, you were hoaxing. You're hallucinating. You're misperceiving. Go away. There's no such thing. But they knew. <laughs> they knew the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yep. I agree with that. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, I'm going to sit back. Hold on. Let me go get some popcorn. Hold on. Wait a minute. I need some more butter. Okay, okay. Hold on. I'm ready. I'm ready. Go. All right. Here's another one because <laughs> things aren't even getting exciting yet. This is just the introduction. This is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the little cartoon at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an- another case which really struck me profoundly. This was July 17, 1954. St. Louis, Missouri, at the Skyline Theater. All the people are at the theater when suddenly this red glow starts to sweep over the parking lot and off to the side this time, not next to the screen as usual. This one's unusual in that way. Is this UFO? It's really bright. It's casting this eerie light. It's oval-shaped. It's quite low, about 50, 100 feet off the ground, and just sitting there. So everyone, of course, in these cases, they stop watching the movie and look at this thing, which is much more interesting. And some people are getting scared and staying in their cars, and others are getting out and looking at this thing. It's an eerie silence kind of settling over the whole parking lot. And one of the witnesses was this young man who was very interested. He was just a kid, right? Seven or eight years old. Gets out of his car with his family and looking at it. He doesn't realize it, but his father works at the local airport, not too far away, and is also watching it through binoculars from the control tower. He's got lots of pilots and stuff in his family, so he's very interested in all of this. And right when people start to run towards this thing and try to get closer, it takes off straight up. But this left this one young man, his name is Peter, with a lifelong interest in UFOs, and it was 
years later, as an adult, he was best friends with Robert Gribble, who had started the National UFO Reporting Center mm-hmm. and was giving it up. And Peter, his last name is Davenport, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'll take it over. <laughs> this is Peter Davenport of right. the National UFO Reporting Center. And yeah. it's because of that sighting that mm. gave him a lifelong interest that basically, he said it himself in his own words, um, inspired him to become the president of the National UFO Reporting Center. Makes me wonder if these UFO guys knew what they were doing when they sort of, like, this guy needs to know we're real. <laughs> He's going to be doing important work in the future. I don't know, I'm speculating there, but... Hmm. No, I can see that. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. That makes sense. It's, you know, no coincidences, right? One more part of the pre-show, because this, st- this is when I started to really wonder what's going on here. There was a case at Charlottetown on Prince Edward Island in Canada. I don't have the exact date, and really I don't have much details at all. But from, according to one witness, uh, there were UFOs hovering over this theater so many times. It came repeatedly. Some of these theaters are visited repeatedly. It came over so many times that the owners actually put it in their marquee, started to advertise, want to see a UFO? Come to our theater. I'm like, huh. Wow. Okay, because, yeah, I did find a number of cases, like the Yuma drive-in in Arizona, where it was visited repeatedly. Normally they'll pick one theater, go off to another one, and then another one, kind of like a, I don't know, a concert tour or, a, you know, a book signing, just place to place to place at like advertising, really. So I think that's what they're doing. I thought, hmm, okay. They are doing this intentionally because they know people are watching. And Is anybody a- getting pictures of uh, any of these, by the way? Yeah. Any pictures? Oh. Yep. And a few of the later ones, they didn't really come out. Uh, so, I mean, I guess it's hard to take a picture at night of a glowing object. But Back no, then. Nothing, nothing Great, unfortunately. Okay. Um, there were, with the schoolyard encounters, they did get some great ones, but which is very similar to this. But no, it wasn't until the 60s that it really started to get exciting. And this is when I'm like, I know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> because there was this one case that really tipped it off for me. And that was in May of 1963 at the Wellington Circle Twin. And this was investigated by George Fawcett, who, if you're a fan of the early UFO guys, he's a hero. He you know, investigated a lot of cases, a great pioneering researcher. And this is in Medford, Massachusetts. And these two disks dropped down. And then moments later, down right on top of the first two. The first two were in a row. The second two came right on top. And then two more came. <laughs> So there's sort of two columns now, and then two more. So we have two columns of a total of eight disks. And at this point, the people were all looking at them, not really watching the movie. And that's when these disks put on a 45-minute long display, started playing like musical chairs, darting around, rotating, darting back and forth, Dancing is how people described it. And after 45 minutes, they, they 
came back into the two columns and took off. Dung, 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 dung. Well, isn't that interesting? Because like old Spielberg did the, you know, put on this whole spectacle with uh, Close Encounters, right? Exactly. Remember yep. that? That was like this whole thing. I mean, that's what that reminded me of, them doing that. I wonder if they picked that up from there. Could be. As an idea. Why not? That's a good one. Wow, 45 minutes. Can you imagine? No, that'd be great. Wow, I mean, that's when I started to realize, okay, I think I understand this. Because in that case, people weren't too freaked out. Sometimes they absolutely lose their minds and just screech out of the theater. Uh, But that's when I started to realize, okay, they are targeting the theaters specifically. Because there was a case not long after that, two years, June 29, 1964, Atlanta, Georgia. All the kids were in the bleachers because they had bleachers back in those days for some of the people who wanted to watch the movie, uh, not from their car. That's right. This disc sort of showed up in the back, you know, over the trees, and one kid shouts out, hey, look, a UFO. And kind of the kids just look and like, eh, yeah, and it goes off. And then this same kid jumps up. He's like, it's back. It's coming. And it comes right over the bleachers, 20, 50 feet high. And just everyone in the bleachers scatters. These are mostly kids. (laughs) They're running for their cars. The main witness who reported this, I think it was to MUFON, ran with his uh, cousin or sibling to the snack stand (laughs) and hid in there. Well, and is looking for his, his parents' cars because everyone's just losing their minds. And finally, he's like, let's creep out and see if we can get there. But this disc is right over, right exactly overhead. <laughs> and he finally sees his family, and they're waving at him. <laughs> and they rush into their car and take off. That one cleared the theater. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.